Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. I'm your host, Chris Cypher73 Cabrera. Uh, this is show number 33. Uh, we have an excellent guest on. Uh, she's a historian and author, and you can find a lot of her work on piercingtheveilofillusion.com. I want to welcome the enigmatic superstar of ancient and, hi- and hidden history, uh, Michelle Gibson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Chris. I love sorry, the introduction. I, I, yeah. I haven't heard myself address that way. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that. Cool. You know, <laughs> you can take it. Okay. It's, it's all yours if you want to take that. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm kind of used to historical detectives. So right. um, that seems to fit because I'm not a trained historian. And if I was, I probably wouldn't be open to the information that I've uncovered in my work. And uh, I, because I didn't have any preconceived you know, slot to put it in. I, um, you know, it's just been really open to it. And there's a lot of information that just wants to come back in because it's removed from the historical narrative and our collective awareness. And thankfully the time that we're living in, there's just a lot of people that just seem to be dialed into this information, different pieces of it. So all the people in this community doing this alternative research are bringing in unique pieces of the puzzle that need to come right. back to awareness, you know, so it may not all like fit together perfectly, but, you know, I, I think it's whatever people are, have a passion for. And so I, I just happen to have a passion for something that is, is very um, hidden and it's there when you know what to look for. And when you know what to look for, it just kind of like flows out of the ether because right. it's, and I mean, you can't kill truth oh, <laughs> as much try. as they've tried, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you can't completely suppress it or we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. Right. And you said you're not a trained historian, but if you're doing the work and the fact that humans are, we're the ones that created these titles we created the fact that in order to label yourself, you have to have like a degree. Like, for instance, like I went to school to be a graphic artist, but back in the days, they you didn't need to go to school for that to have a title. Like um, Michelangelo didn't have a degree in art. He was an artist. He just did art. So just the fact that you don't have a title as a historian does not make you not a historian. If you're doing the work to me, you deserve that title. You know what I mean? <laughs> and history was one of my favorite subjects in school. I graduated from high school in 81. So I'll be 60 later this year. And it's been an interesting journey because that interest in early interest in history laid the foundation for me to at least know what we're told happened. So when I do the alternative research, I can kind of put it in perspective with reading between the lines, if you will. And it kind of shows me where to look. And also, um, if we look at current events, I'm going to be uploading a video later today where I've looked at what happened between 1984 and 1986. And there's a lot of parallels to what's happening today. So this, um, I'm going to call it an attack on humanity. Wow. Has been going for a long time. But the same things were happening it was 40 years ago. <laughs> Is right. that right? Yeah. So <laughs> listen, um, when, when I first, because I, I, I've heard of Tartaria before, 
um, like years ago, maybe when I was living in New York in, in the 80s, I heard about Tartaria, but I never did research on it. It was something in the back of my mind. I never really cared about it, but it wasn't until probably before the pandemic, you were on uh, Veritas Radio with Mel Hostrich, and that's when I first heard you speak about it. And then since then, because you, were, I guess, are the catalyst that kind of started other people looking into it, I'm hearing more and more about it. So I want to apologize in advance because I'm not well versed in this topic. So like you said, it's a p- puzzle pieces. So I might ask mm-hmm. you questions maybe out of order and you can correct me, maybe say, hey, let's not talk about that yet. Let's talk about this first. So I want to apologize in advance. OK, so let's get into your origin story, Michelle, like who you are, where you're from, and then what got you down this path that you're currently on. And then we'll go from there and see what happens. <laughs> OK, sounds great. So I was born outside of Washington, D.C. in 63, a couple of months before Kennedy was assassination, assassinated. And I do see, actually do see that as significant. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yes. Right before that happened, I was like about three months old and my parents were down in D.C. with the funeral procession going by. And, you know, lived a middle class life. My parents were teachers. I received a good education in the school system where we lived and where I lived about 90% of the high school graduates went to college. And so, you know, that was kind of the more the norm than the exception. And when I graduated in 1981, uh, my parents didn't have the money to send me to school. They wanted me to go, but they had gone through a divorce and I looked for ways to fund it. And I, um, got a scholarship to a junior college, and I was changing my major every week. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I would have probably majored in history, but that's like, well, that's not very practical. So I ended up going into the Army in 1982, and I was in the Army from 82 to 86. I was stationed in Germany for two years. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you, ma'am. Ronald Reagan was president when I was in the army and it was a great time to be, (laughs) you know, the mark dollar rate was, you know, three, $3, three marks to a dollar, you know, and they had like vending machines in the barracks where you could, you know, plop in a a mark and get a beer, you know, so basically 25 cents for a beer, (laughs) great days. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to travel a lot and that was kind of what set the, direction for my life because I I grew up in suburban Maryland, pretty conventional family. I would not have gotten on to the path that I'm currently on had I stayed. And I think my life would have been much different. I think I probably would have been miserable because obviously I'm not a conventional thinker. I never have been. And the way the direction my life took, I was able to unplug from the matrix a long time ago. And so I've never really had certain ways that I had to be or live. And if, you know, if anything, I've made life choices that have taken me in a different direction from what people expected of me. So I was able to remove those shackles. And my husband was retired army sergeant. We met in Germany and got married in 89, which was right after I graduated from college. And my degree is, uh, bachelor's in social work and psychology. 
and I spent about 13 years in nursing home social work, geriatric social work and activities. And my husband died in 2001 from complications from Agent Orange, which we didn't know at the time, but wow. I you know, found out when I moved to Arizona and you know, I thankfully was able to get a VA pension because I was able to prove that he was in Vietnam or his medical condition was connected right. to past service. And so when that was approved in 2018, beginning of 2018, it basically freed up time work because I didn't have to work full-time anymore. And it was around the same time that I started to really do my own original research. I had started a couple of years ago and I, I wanted to, you know, how am I going to get this out, what I'm finding? And my research started, um, if, you, if I can share my screen real quick. Yeah, please go ahead, please. Um, go ahead and set it up because it's disabled. Is it not allowing me? Um... Here we go. All right, try that. See if it works. There we go. So basically, my my original finding and the beginning of my original research, because up to this point, I was like gathering information and incubating. And I was hungry to try to find out, you know, what what's going on here. Right. And I had learned about sacred geometry when I lived in Fairbanks, Alaska, and around 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. So I knew what a star tetrahedron was. And a friend of mine had given me a map. That's part of it. That's pretty bedraggled now. But um, right. <laughs> I, I, found, I found this by connecting major cities in North America. And this is... The shape of the Merkaba, which is our light body, it's the shape of the Earth's Merkaba, it's the shape of the universe's Merkaba, it's part of sacred geometry. And this original civilization is laid out along the lines of sacred geometry. And because I had watched and learned from other researchers, watched their work, I knew that the ancients, there were cities that were in alignment around the Earth. I already knew that. So I knew that the ancients were very precise in how this civilization was laid out. And so I extended the lines. I wrote down the places in spreadsheets. And then I went and started looking. You know, I've got about 20 here at each place. And I'm looking at the same kinds of things across con- countries and same type of architecture, same type of infrastructure, heavy masonry same types of rivers, um, and I believe they're canal systems, rivers and creeks and so forth. And part of a highly sophisticated free free energy generating grid system. And that humanity was highly advanced at one time and that this civilization goes back a long way. And it existed, I believe, up until relatively recently. We're still using the infrastructure that they built. And then all of that got turned on its head and hijacked and the grid system was inverted and I think turned into a control system, but also a source of, of wealth and power for the what we would call the controllers. Um, the people that were behind the beings, I'm going to call them beings because <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're 
I don't think they're human, actually. Um, you know, in an interdimensional work against the creator and creation, you know, and they, they're doing it through us because they managed to dumb us down and cut us off from our creator and each other and, you know, get us down into our senses, you know, into survival and, you know, taste and touch and feel and, you know, those kinds of things and cut us off from our higher capabilities and natures so that they control us and benefit. You know, it's not, it's not about benefiting humanity. It's about benefiting these, these beings that are really quite evil. Now, now these lines, do they, are they, are they connected to ley lines by any chance? I believe so. So Mm. this is kind of like a, a big picture of the sacred geometry grid around the earth and then ley lines individual lane lines are all throughout this and ley lines used to be on maps um the older maps typically have these ley lines across land and water um and then over time a particular time period uh, particularly with mercator gerardus mercator um these ley lines started to be removed where they would just show on water instead of land and then they were removed entirely and all you have are the latitude and longitude lines but this is all part of a deliberate um, replacement of this new system that they brought in to confuse us to you know so we wouldn't know where we were who we were where we were what shape that the earth was um you know they've done so much to alter our perception of space and time um, by these overlays, let's call them. Right. Um, and then what I've noticed too, Michelle, is that some of these lines go out towards sea, like the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be there? Maybe was there land at one point? I, maybe? I, I do. At this point, I do. Um, and at this point, I, I very strongly believe from the research that I've done that the sinking of Atlantis took place relatively recently and that a lot of these coastal areas, Atlantis sank off. You know, ah, like you know, yeah. All up through here, you have estuaries. Yeah. Um, you know, old records, and and actually, all over the estuaries are all over the place, not just in the United States. Um, but California was said to have been an island, you know, and and just the whole idea that you know we we've always heard well California was going to break off and fall into the ocean <laughs> yeah. with an earthquake. Well, it sure looks like it already happened. And, right. I, and I have done research that's on my website and on my YouTube channel to back that up. Um, but I, I think the, the worldwide civilization, which is best known as Tartaria, was, was Atlantean. And before that, it was Lemuria. It was like one continuous civilization. And I think um, jealous beings wanted to crash the party, figured out a way to do it, and deliberately created a cataclysm that caused that to happen. And there's disagreement in the community on what caused it. Right. You know, some believe it's natural. Some believe resets take place over, you know, hundred, couple hundred year periods. Um, personally, I believe that it was one, a, a long civilization and one massive reset. And when I say massive, I mean, they got into everything. They got into our perception of time and space and place into language and to religion. Um, that they 
I think the mud flood, they created a liquefaction event that's called a mud flood. And that when they tell us they were building railroads or subways or whatnot, they were actually dig them, digging them out or having us dig them out, right. getting them restarted. And then and restarted enough to, to bring civilization back online and create the new world that they wanted to create. You know, and we're seeing that play out now. So was, now, was Tartaria uh, the uh, pretty much the whole world? So uh, this civilization like far- was world was worldwide. Right. Tartaria was actually Asia. Okay. And there were different empires on different you know different places. Now, with what I just said, I'm I'm kind of moving into a place where I'm thinking there was a lot more landmass, and things may have been organized differently if you will but in the information that's available you hear about the Mughal empire and the Phoenicians and and the there's a lot of different empires um Barbaria was North Africa Tartaria was Asia uh there's you know there's just a lot of them and we're taught that it was warfare and they're fighting each other and I'm not seeing that what I'm seeing is just this beautifully integrated civilization that had the same characteristics all over the earth. And so I think it was harmonious and balanced. I think they were the original tribes of Israel. I mean, all of them, all the peoples of the earth. And when I say it goes back to Lemuria, there's been so much disinformation and division on race, about race. But everything that I've come to believe is that Lemuria or Mu is where we get the word Moor from. The Moors, correct. And there are, you know, Mu or, you know, and you know, Florida's got plenty of Moorish architecture. Yeah. Yep. A lot of the architecture's been destroyed. And architecture that we would think would be Greek or Roman was also part of this ancient civilization. So there's different styles within it. But they were master builders, master masons, master astronomers, master hydrologists, and they built all of this amazing infrastructure that was attributed to others when they were recrafting the historical narrative, if you will, or re- rewriting it or revising it. And, and these are these beings that you talk about? When I say beings, I, you know, I think, I, you know, I think we're talking. I think fallen angels are real. Okay. So I think they're in the mix. Like um, Nephilim? I, I, they're more than likely in the mix. Um, other um, negative, let's, let's call them extraterrestrials. You know, there's controversy about that too. Um, but there, these, and archons. Archons, um, yeah. Parasites. Known, parasites. So let's, you know, you can call them in the general category of parasites. You can call them demons, lower vibrational beings um, that are just in, into it for the energy, the energy vampirism. Um, they're not creative, but they can, they're intelligent in the sense that they can reverse engineer things. So the technologies that humans create in the past and in the present have been utilized by these parasites. And that's what they want indefinitely, because they don't have that that spark of God in them. 
they want it, you know, right. but they're not, that's not who they are. So, so they're trying to set up a system so they can parasite on us indefinitely. And that's where transhumanism comes in and the technologies that have been put forward as beneficial with regards to, you know, cell phones and, you know, all this other stuff that they're trying to get us plugged into um, becoming cyborgs. Right. (laughs) Essentially. So so when it comes to Tartaria, Michelle, um, so you've found out about it, let's say in the last like 10 years or so, 15 years, but what do you, (laughs) In your research, have you found out when it was first mentioned, Tartaria, like where it was first written or who mentioned well, it first? Well, on old maps and, and so forth, you do see the word Tartaria. You know, again, it's over in in Asia, Russia, China, Tibet, Korea, Japan. And it's best known as that because that's where I think the research first started to come from. and. And so that's how it kind of got into the, our conscious awareness at this point. Um, But you see, so the, the Moors were the holders of ancient Egyptian mysteries or comedic mysteries. And so the narrative we've been given is like, everything's been split apart, whereas it was really all together. It was all, so you've got sphinxes in St. Petersburg. You can look up sphinxes in St. Petersburg in, in Russia, and they're there. That's an Egyptian symbol. Right. And you've got sphinxes on top of buildings in the United States. And again, they, they say, well, this was built much, much lighter. <laughs> this is like within yeah. the last 100 years or 200 years or whatever. Or they they got these gigantic Egyptian monuments, including obelisks that weigh tons, over to a different place from Egypt and set them up. And there's some ridiculous stories about how that was supposed to have happened. And so, it, you know, they're trying to say, well, this came from Egypt or this was done in an Egyptian revival style right, within yeah. the last hundred years. That's a you know, that's, <laughs> that's the, you know, that's what they tell us. Right. And and what's interesting is when you really start digging down to it, and I encourage everybody just to start looking, you know, start questioning in your own community what they tell you about the architecture and, you know, how things were supposed to have gotten there. And um, also look for a history of electric streetcars in your community because streetcar systems used to be everywhere. Interurban systems used to be everywhere where you could just you know, hop on a streetcar and go from the big city to the country. And those all got removed for, for the most part. You might have a few miles of track in some places where it used to be miles and miles and miles of track. So it's, they got, it got taken out as soon as, so they got the rail lines restarted after this mud flood. And then when, when was the mud flood? I'm sorry, Michelle. I just want to get context. So what I'm, what I've come to really focus my research on, and it's been very productive, is a time loop between 1492, which was the year of the, of the fall of the Moors in Spain, the fall of Granada, and the beginning of Isabel and Ferdinand and, you know, this whole new narrative. And I found a lot of significant indicators in 1492 and that includes columbus heading over this way to the new world 
authority from Pope Alexander VI to grab the land with the Intercetera Papal Bowl. And, you know, the game was afoot. And it was kind of how they laid the foundation for enslaving, not only in legitimizing the murder of the original peoples, but also there's a whole lot more to that. So they took the land and it set up a legal precedent so that when it went to court, like the Supreme Court, they said, well, because of the law of, the, the law of discovery and you know these papal bulls, this is legitimate. <laughs> you know, they can take this land. And so they set up the foundation for their new system and how they actually went about legitimizing their ownership of this land that wasn't theirs and the power to go along with it and the, the government, the, corp- the beginning of corporations and so on and so forth. And then 1942 was midway through World War II. And when I first started looking into it, it was the year that the Philadelphia experiment took place. And I'm personally of the belief that there's a connection between the Philadelphia experiment and something about what's taken place here. Can you can you get into that? What what is for those who don't know what the Philadelphia experiment is? Can you get so into that a little bit? According to the first research I did on July 22nd of 1942, uh, the USS Eldridge, which was in the Philadelphia Navy Yard, went invisible. So so there was this you know, green fog that built up around it and then it disappeared. And then it came back in about 15 minutes and the crew was disoriented. Some of them were in the bulkhead, you know, fused to it. And when I first learned of it, it was like, yeah, this really happened. But then as time goes on, it's like, oh no, that's a hoax. And, you know, nobody can prove it. Right. Um, But for a variety of reasons and some other researchers that I was looking into, I, I really think that it has it had something to do with this in some way. Now, whether it caused the mud flood, um, I'm landing on the side that it went back to a certain point in time and caused a rip in the fabric of space-time that allowed Rothschild, Weishaupt, Rockefeller, Warburg. parasites to come in and um, and in, in, yeah, incarnate in human form because around the same time, I'm trying to, you know, I'm figuring out this time loop idea. Um, there's exactly, so there's 450 years between 1492 and 1942, and they love numerology, but in a culted form. 1717 is the midpoint year. And when I started researching what happened in 1717, a lot of anomalous stuff came up. And then I, I just, I found a lot of really interesting things between 1492 and 1942. And, and I've, again, I have exhaustive research to show what I found on my blog and in my YouTube videos. And my, my YouTube videos are made from my blog posts. So it's basically the same information. It's just however you prefer to, to imbibe it. (laughs) You know what, you know, what's crazy, Michelle, is like when you, when you say certain things and then my brain like boom where have i heard this before where have i seen this before so you talk about this ripple in time right where the the ship disappears 
it reappears, people are disoriented, and then they also are fused with like the ship. There's two episodes of the X-Files that kind of like talk about this. One is a, a ship that turns people older, right? And there's another one where you have this sort of triangle UFO. This is in the X-Files, two different episodes, two different seasons, where this this UFO throws out like this sort of like a plasma field and you either switch places with, with a person that you're with. So it's almost like that, that one movie where the two people switch places. I forgot what it's called, where the mother switches places with the daughter, right? But in that same mm-hmm. episode, there's uh, soldiers that fuse in with the rocks. So when you said that, it's like, I've heard that before. And I'm wondering, like, individuals like uh, Carter, who was the producer of X-Files, like, who was he talking to? Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uncanny. And then you said something along the lines, like, the, the Rothschilds, uh, something coming in them and taking over their body. That reminds me of, like, Stargate, the movie, where the alien was trying to find a, 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 a human to host as a host. So I'm wondering where they got that from, you know? There's also a movie called The Final Countdown, which is about a time-traveling naval vessel. Final Countdown? <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know that when I came up with this, you know, this this kind of concept. But it showed up on my feed, and it's it's like a naval destroyer destroyer that went back in time to 1941. Is it a recent was, movie? No, no, from the 80s. From the 80s. And okay. so, so I think so. About this again, it was all this information that came together at the same time. A friend of mine who seemed to be very connected to let's just say spirit (laughs) you know i live in a place i live in sedona arizona where there's a lot of this kind of thing but it's i've gotten some interesting information that way and she came by to see my roommate who was a reader at the time and stopped in to say hi to me and i opened the door she gave me a hug and she just said oh i see your guides over there they want me to tell you something and the first thing she said was they want me to tell you you're correct which was the idea of the time loop between 19 or 1492 and 1942 but then she said they want they're showing me something and she said they're showing me ireland in 1742 and on one side it's all white and frozen and on the other side it's bright and sunny and so i looked up ireland in 1742 and one of the things that came up was handel's messiah premiered in dublin Dublin, Ireland in 1742. And then the other thing that came up was the Great Frost of Ireland, which took place between 1740 and 1741. Right. No known cause. You know, half a million people died from this extreme cold weather event in Ireland. And then this, you know, performance of Messiah happens like right after the Great Frost. That was in 1740, 1741. Mayor Amschel Rothschild was born in 1744. Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Bavarian Order of the Illuminati, was born in 1748. And Duke Francis of Saxe, Coburg, and Saalfeld was born in 1750. And that obscure ducal line is our royal family today. And they replaced the original 
rulers right of the world um in particular europe but you know it was seated by this one guy that came in in 1750 who was like queen victoria's and prince albert's grandfather and duke francis's kids seated like belgium um portugal other places and i don't know if you've heard of king leopold ii yep that was his grandfather wow and king leopold ii son of king leopold i (laughs) king of the belgians um otto von bismarck the chancellor of germany during the german empire basically carved up africa between european countries and that was in 1884 at the berlin conference just carved it all up here you get this you get this and king leopold ii got the belgian congo as his private colony and very known for brutality so they they got the resources and they you know they cut the hands off of the people that live there and things like, like that the and that's, that's that's findable i mean you can look for that it's there crazy. so and when i you know, so when i these are malevolent beings that's what i'm talking about i mean they they're killing us they're not helping us right they're not our friends <laughs> right and that's so, just continued on to this day i mean you know the people in power the system that was put in place to keep them in power so hey it's great we're bringing in democracy and liberty and freedom and this that and the other thing they were actually bringing in a system they could control right and they right. took out you know the people with the the ancient bloodlines and going back to king solomon yeah, yeah the biggest psyop is uh making the people believe that they're free when they're not mm-hmm. right because yeah. we america is supposed to be the land of the free but we're not really free i mean uh, I put up uh, um, your my thirty third video. I've been pretty much talking about the same thing with almost all my guests, and my thirty first video just got taken off of YouTube. They said it was because of uh, medical misinformation. When we don't even talk about medical stuff, I mean, I talk about conspiracy theories in it and stuff like that, and then I disputed it, and literally ten minutes later they denied the dispute. So I mean, it's like they don't even where's the freedom <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah like where is it right and th- and that's how they get consent is they they lie to us about everything and then you know we're living in 1984 right now <laughs> in the book <laughs> and and said so i'm going to put up a video later today um looking at what happened in history between 1984 and 1986 and it's it's very telling. I mean, I think the only difference is we don't have the amount of terrorist actions that we did starting in the 80s. You don't have the plane crashes and the you know planes being blown up out of the sky and all those other things. We we have other things. We have the you know the the shooters, you know the lone gunmen firing on crowds. But that's that's the same. Right. And the chemical releases are the same. Um, but what are, you th- what are your thoughts th- on that? <laughs> like, how come people haven't caught on? 
that you have one know. chemical <laughs> thing and then it's like two or three more happen like right after that and people are like what are the kardashians yeah. doing right now <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, this has been a, uh, a massive psychological warfare going on for a very long time, and people have kind of gotten desensitized. Um, critical thinking has not been emphasized in our school systems since about 1850, 1851. Um, and that kind of gets back to your earlier question of when did this happen? So I, I gave the example of my timeline because I think. Prior to a certain point, our history is just backfill. And beyond a certain point, it's them giving us history with them in it. And it could have been a series of events that took place within a set period of time. I'm open to that. I just think there was a very long and sophisticated and beautiful civilization prior to that. And that they just destroyed it and repopulated the earth. Uh, you hear a lot about orphan trains and inventoriums these days. They grew human babies. And I'm, I'm a person with a lineage in my family, genealogy and so forth. And one of the biggest questions I've gotten is, well, you know, I can trace my ancestors back to Charlemagne or something like that. Right. And other people say, well, there's orphans in my family. My husband was one. His uh, great-great-grandfather was an orphan after the Civil War and got out west on a cattle drive and ended up in Oklahoma, and that's where the, his family's from. And what I think happened was um, I came across some other things in my research that showed King Henry VIII, I think, is like, a figurehead. There's a lot of things happening during his reign beyond his six wives and forming the Church of England that the dissolution of the monasteries took place between 1536 and 1541, where they just tore apart and destroyed the monasteries, took their money. These places used to be where the genealogical genealogies were kept. Um, and then it was replaced by the College of Arms. And they just kind of redid everything, all of the nobility and so forth. And so they brought in a, no, a new nobility to replace the ancient nobility. And, and so you see, um, start to see first baron of blank in the historical record around the 1500s, 1600s. So during this period of time, and they just went in and they, you know... <laughs> This is it. They coats it, of yeah. arms, <laughs> coats of arms, and all this other stuff, and and so they started to take control over that whole process, and and giving us you know these families that became the lords of the manor, and and so on and so forth. I mean, I'm pretty convinced at this point we're still in a feudal system. Yeah, because when the new British nobility started to come over and colonize New England, for example. They were using titles like Lord of the Manor, 1600s, 1500s, 1600s. You know, that's not a term that we associate with America. And they still hold the land that they were granted 300 years ago. Wow. Like Gardner, Gardner's Island and the eastern end of Long Island and 
Fisher's Island was another one off the coast of Connecticut. It's kind of all right in that area where uh, the son of John Winthrop, who was the Massachusetts Bay Colony governor, um, his son was granted the title of Lord of the Manor of this island. And, you know, I talk about the Philadelphia experiment. There's some really interesting things going on in it's off the Atlantic coast between New Jersey and, and the Atlantic. You have the New York, New Jersey bite area and you have Long Island and Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard and, you know, all these places. And Martha's Vineyard is the most expensive place to live in the United States. <laughs> it's like number one. It's like they coveted this land, but if you look at it, all these little islands, you know, they look half sunk. You know, so that kind of goes back to my idea of this 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 event that just sunk these these land masses. But there's something very special about that area because that's where they all want to be. Right. Long Island, that whole area is prime real estate in Jersey. You know, so there's something going on with the grid system. I think um, power-wise, New York Harbor. It, I mean, New York Bay's upper and lower are just it's just historically there's a lot going on there's lighthouses there's star forts um there's historical trolley parks amusement parks um it was like this it looked like this just massive corridor of power so there's something about that area that the controllers coveted because they went right there the rockefellers and right. you know all of them yeah. the land I, I of in, astors and yeah. <laughs> yeah i lived in new york uh astors uh I think uh, Storia Queens is named after them. And then you have Astor mm -hmm. Hotel, if I'm not mistaken. But I lived in New York from 73 till 89. But I would notice just like, okay, so this is in the 80s. The Bronx was like, they say the Bronx was burning. And that's because it was, it was a mess. It was like a third world country. But even inside some of these apartment like complexes or these apartment houses, you can see the, the architecture was... Uh, just didn't belong it didn't fit then you have places like penn station right that doesn't look like uh it belongs there it looks like somebody moved in and just changed some things but the but the foundation of it doesn't look like it belongs can you get into like the architecture not just in new york but just around the world of these different you know structures that that are uh, look out of place every single one of those buildings is said to have been built within the last couple hundred years into the 1800s early 1900s they have records <laughs> they have blueprints they have all these things saying we built this they didn't build it <laughs> <laughs> so you get the word you know people say the founded <laughs> free masonry Yes, that's what I was going to talk, was, was gonna talk it, about. I was going to talk about the Masons because <laughs> this is something that I didn't understand. Masons are supposed to be master builders. I have not seen one Mason build anything. I don't see Masons carrying tool belts. I, I, you pass by lodges. There's no construction vehicles or anything there. Um, but I heard that Masons, they, they're this society that got created, and all they did was brand the buildings that were already existed. Is that true? That's what they did. I believe that, absolutely, because I think the original Masons were Moorish Masons, and they're the ones that built everything. And you've got, um, within Western Freemason, you, 
Freemasonry, you have the allegory of Hiram Abiff. And Hiram Abiff was the builder of Solomon's Temple and three lowly craftsmen wanted his secrets. He said no. <laughs> so they killed him. And when they killed him, the keys were lost. And what you what is called Freemasonry now is free, speculative Freemasonry. Um, but what they're actually doing is the these beings that I'm talking about infiltrated Masonry, took their legacy. Um, they, as far as we know, they only have 33 degrees, and the original Masonry has 360 degrees, the degrees in a circle. Right. And um, that original knowledge has been lost. But you know, these Masons are doing something occult and ritualistic right. with Masonry um as part of that control system of us and also the miseducation and misdirection of who actually built everything so and, they freely and, <laughs> so they they freely took the masonry of others and then that's why it's called mm -hmm. freemason because they just took it for free apparently you know <laughs> yeah. that it it fits and you have different you know you've got the scottish right you have the york right within western freemasonry but then you have these historical figures that are all connected together that were Masons. And Lennon was a Mason. Marx was a Mason. Albert Pike was a Mason. Lots of so-called generals during the Civil War were Masons. And I'm not, I, I question whether it happened the way we're told big time. Something happened, but I don't right. think it was what we're told. I think they were, you know, it was part of the cover-up of what they did with the original civilization. So, so let's say the masonries got the buildings habitable, made the streets drivable. And so in more places than not, you see streets look like this with the building on top with big window or door down here. And then they get smaller and smaller. Right. And smaller and smaller. That, that's uh, up North a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and on the West coast a lot because of the elevation, I would imagine. Right. Whereas uh, here in, in Florida, it's primarily flat, but. But it, just look around, look around, because it's there too. Really in Florida? Some, yeah, I spent time, my, my family's, my mom's family's from Florida. And I was in Tampa a couple of years ago looking at the Sulphur Springs water tower there. And when I was driving around, around Bush Gardens and um, up and down Bush Boulevard and throughout that area, I, I noticed Temple Terrace. Um, I, I noticed mud flood stuff. So wow, it's crazy. You wouldn't think it, but right. but it's there. The same kind of thing. Elevation where it's just thing? it's just not, yeah, it's not level. Right. <laughs> it's like so let me ask you a question underneath. Uh, um concerning other ancient sites and its connections possibly to Tartaria, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey. Pumapunku in Bolivia, uh, Angkor Wat in Asia, are those all connected? 100%. And they look like they're, well, not Angkor Wat, but more like Pumapunku and Gobekli Tepe look like they were destroyed. Like, not fell, fell down because of weather, but like destroyed. Right. And again, you, you know, you hear... You know, something happened thousands of years ago. I think we're talking about something that happened a lot more recently. Graham Hancock talks about Angkor Wat being a mirror of the constellation Draco. 
Um, Angkor Wat also has uh, solstice alignments with the main temple. I think Angkor Tom. It's it's built on a square. It's just like it's all perfectly in alignment with the heavens, and that's what this civilization was doing. They were lining everything up. Everything was in alignment on Earth that was in heaven. So the so even structures like the Statue of Liberty, which was originally a lighthouse, also. And I don't think light, I think lighthouses were much more than what we're told. Um, you see the, the sun, a solar alignment over the torch uh, at certain times. I don't, I, it might be related to a solstice. It's off the top of my head. I can't think of it. I just, but I know you can Google the sun over the torch of the, of the Statue of Liberty and, and find it. And other places, capital buildings and temples and mosques and, you know, all over, there's these alignments of the, of the moon and the sun. And sometimes it's like every full moon, um, but they were lining everything up. And I think it was all part of this integrated energy system. And I think lighthouses were like distribution of this light that was being generated. And you know, New York has a lot of lighthouses there. Yes. Going up. And historic, I mean, there's maybe a handful that are still standing on the Hudson River. There's a lot more. So it's like they, they wanted to get control of these lighthouses. And some of them that they destroyed, and some are still there. And they all have these stories of built late 1700s or during the 1800s for commerce. But there's a, a lot more to the story. And off the top of my head, I can't think of the name of the lighthouse, but it's in direct alignment with the Statue of Liberty. The Hudson? Is it the Hudson Lighthouse? Or it's not the Hudson. Hudson. It's, it's um, I want to say it's a Rikers. Anyway, well, Rik- if you look at a pic. Near Rikers Island, you're talking about? Um, I've done a, a blog post about, uh, or a video. Yeah, yeah. Um, make, want to take a look at it at some point um i've done so many i know it's <laughs> probably got a lot i'm sorry i apologize that that's the thing I mean, it's, topic. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's just it's just fascinating to look at the history of the hudson river and you know going down through manhattan and into the new york bay and on out to the atlantic ocean all the stuff that's there is just absolutely mind-blowing and they've a lot of it's just gone. Star forts all through there. The what one is I'm a, what is a star direct, fort? Do you mind um going into what like a star fort is specifically? Sure. I mean, is it a a a, a building like a like a like what you would consider a fort? Like okay, a so I'm gonna I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to go to that post and show you the one I have in mind. Oh, that's your website. That's my website. Everybody, this is um, uh, piercingtheveilofillusion.com. So check it out, please. Okay, so I called it Star Forts Gone by Trolley Parks and Lighthouses of New York's Hudson River ba- Valley in New York Bays. Right. And yeah. my sister lives upstate, and I, I, I believe we drove by that, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Man, look at all that ancient architecture that you... <laughs> Yeah, let me look here. Just 
That's us right now getting hit over the head. Did you freeze, Michelle? I think you froze. Yeah, she froze. You there? I'm here. Okay. Can you hear? Yeah, you. Okay. Oh man, I think I lost you. I think I lost you. Get her back on. There we go. Let me see. Hello? Get back. You're back. Get me back. Here. Yeah, you're, you're cutting it out a little bit. There we go. Okay. Oh. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I, I can hear you. It's just uh, there's a delay. It's, it's saying that okay. your band, it's saying your bandwidth is low, but I don't. You know, who knows? They're probably attacking. <laughs> Man, this stuck. This sucks. Back to where I was. Are we together? Yeah, I, it, it's saying that your bandwidth is low, but it's cutting in and out. So I was thinking. House in Upper New York Bay. Yeah. So their alignment and the Statue of Liberty was a uh, lighthouse. Oh, geez. Okay. Anyway, these these things are in alignment with each other. Is the point that I'm trying to make? <laughs> yeah, because I could see you like right there. You and... can see it's lined up with it. That picture. Yes. Yes. It's just these aren't random happenings here. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to present this. So let's look at the Verrazano Narrows Bridge between Staten Island and Brooklyn. And on the Staten Island side, you have Fort Wadsworth. And that's a picture of Fort Wadsworth. It was said to have been established before the War of 1812 and as well between 1845 and 1861. And that's typical of the dates that they give us for the building of these. And uh, a lot of times there's lighthouses associated with these star forts also. Um, most of the are part of the Gateway National Recreation Area. You know, big, huge, heavy masonry. You know, how are we building things around the time of the Civil War and before without the tools and, you know, with the low technology that we're told existed at that time? And there's countless stories. <laughs> we built this then, but, oh, by the way, we didn't have all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's like the pyramid. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then on the other side, there's Fort Hamilton. 
and this is the neighborhood around Fort Hamilton. You know, so you've got the brick and you've got the, you know, the archways around the windows, yeah. stone. That's, that's we New don't York. build like that today. Yeah, that's New York. That's <laughs> you know, almost all they, over New York. Most of the that. places I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like build it as quickly as they can out of wood. <laughs> yeah. Particle if, board and plywood. Right. Know, in and out. In and out. <laughs> we don't do this anymore. But they tear them down saying, well, we just determined it was structurally unsound. And that's the reason that's given for the destruction of a lot of these places, but it's BS. Um, and then you have these historic parks on Coney Island. There were three of them. And, you know, you see this beautiful classical looking architecture at these places. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just... So a star fort is in, they're usually in pairs or clusters. And I think, you know, a definition of battery is, you know, they're arranged in, pair, in pairs to give a push through a circuit. I think that's what we're looking at, that they were some form. And when I was looking, I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing because my pictures aren't loading. Um, but they were like the first places that the colonizers went to when they went to take over a place. If you start looking at the historical narrative of what happened when. And they're along waters, river systems, coasts, but they're also inland as well. And a lot of structures inland that are called water towers look like these um, lighthouses. Right. And they have crazy stories associated with them. And there's a lot of us that believe that these water towers actually functioned as, as like Zeppelin or airship docking stations. Because some of them have a history of having an elevator in them, like the one in Sulphur Springs in Tampa. Right. Was said to have a, an elevator on the inside. But that's not the, you know, but the story is that they were to pump water to the residents of the area and all that other stuff. But there was clearly a lot more going on and the one in sulfur springs in tampa is just huge and neglected when i went there i was the only car in the parking lot and i walk up to this massive structure and take pictures and there's there's just no no way to express the size of it in the pictures and when i was first really starting to wake up to this I was taking my mom to an assisted living facility north of Tampa and I passed by this and I, you know, I did a rubberneck and I looked at it, I'm like, what's that off of 285. Right. And so I, I went, you know, I did a in-depth look at it because I was really curious and, and it's and really, go ahead. I, was, I was just going to say for anybody that's interested in, in this doing field research is very productive. If you just go out and start looking, you know, an internet search is, is great if that's all that you have, but you get details that you don't get in person. And that's kind of how my journey started was I started to wake up to things. And then I started going, looking at places right. with a different so, mindset. And so when you go to these places, let me ask you a question. When you go to these places, is there a certain energy that you feel? Sometimes, sometimes. Do you think you get like messages uh, or anything, something like that? My 
the gifts are more intuitive. And I think being able to look outside of the box and not just go with what the narrative tells me about something and, you know, seeing that there's more skill and much more to the story than what we're told. And I am sensitive to energy. Um, in some places, they've deliberately, you know, put a park on it and brought in lots of people and lots of SUV or not SUVs, ATVs and motorbikes and, you know, done all kinds of things to bring that vibration down. But there have been places that I've been to where I've I kind of felt a hum in my in my my legs or my hands. Right. Wow. And you know, parks you look at parks differently um, because they tend to preserve infrastructure that's been destroyed in other places. I mean, if they want to dig up a plot of ground for a new residential neighborhood, that stuff's toast or a road. But you can still find it in certain places. And a lot of buildings, you know, they're still using them. Libraries and museums and schools, banks. Were they built for giants prisons. initially? I think we were much bigger. I think we were, I think they were built by much larger people. And, and you, again, you can start seeing that if you look at the scale of these buildings and when they were said to have been built. So like, if you look at the Supreme Court building in Washington, DC, it was said to have been built between 1932 and 1935, which would have fallen right in between the Great Depression and the beginning of World War II in 1939. And it's huge and a classical looking structure. So that's just one example. Right. So do you mind if we get a little bit more into um because we kind of glossed over it, but it's part of like everything that you've studied because one thing bleeds into another. So it's kind of hard to just like focus on one thing because there's so many other things from past and present kind of bleed in together. But wanted to sure. talk about the orphan train. Mm-hmm. Uh because I first heard about it through you and I looked it up. And to me, it's the first, I don't want to say the word, but trafficking. Child child trafficking. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead I mean, and say it. it's it's true (laughs) can you get into that please like when did that start who who was running that and why were there so many off uh orphans at that time so just a little bit ago i talked about repopulating the earth some kind of cataclysm happened and they're growing kids okay that's one part of it but i think there were adults so when i've looked at the historical record 1810, 1830, 1850, 1870, 1890, in particular in the 19th century, were initiatory years. Something happened beginning in that 10, 30, 50, 70, and 90. So like if you look at the New Madrid earthquake was said to have happened in 1812. And there were other things that that happened, was starting around that it was earlier than but a lot starting to happen starting in 1810 in 1830 you have a lot of things coming in like hard liquor distilleries and so forth to me 1850 is like the official kickoff of the new world order timeline 
match, but they mm. got their game together. They, they had the 1851 Crystal Palace ex- exhibition, which has a crazy backstory. And they kind of had this massive infrastructure and all these wonderful things. Queen Victoria opened it. I want to say it was May to October or something like that of 1851. We did this, we did this, we did this, we did this. All these important people came. And then, so a lot of things were going on around 1850. And I just give the Crystal Palace exposition, exposition as an example of, okay, this is our kickoff. We're here. We've arrived. We're going to show off all this wonderful technology and then we're going to destroy it. Which, ha- which was the case with, from that point on, for about 100 years of the World's Fairs and Expositions. We built this as for, to be temporary and, and then we destroyed it. And you know there might be a few buildings left, um, but hey, that's the way it goes. And if you look up the definition of exposition, it's like setting the storyline. So it's like they're, they're bringing in all these things to show people and tell people this is the way that it was, whether it's what was supposed to have happened in history to new products, you know, all these wonderful things. You know, to me, it's like they were showcasing the original civilization, took what they could from it and then destroyed the rest of it. And the orphan train movement started around 1854. So they've got tons of kids on this side of the Atlantic and in Europe in Europe assault as well. You've got Charles Dickens novels coming out, Oliver Twist. You've got Les Miserables in, with Victor Hugo in, in Paris. All around the same time, there's these like orphans. Yeah. <laughs> All these destitute poor kids. You've got these workhouses. You've got insane asylums. You've got all of this human warehousing going on. And then you're getting them drunk with hard liquor, beer, that kind of thing. And then there's juvenile, juvenile asylums. So you've got that and you've got the orphan trains. So it's like, what are we going to do with these dirty, nasty, ugly humans? <laughs> We've got to do something. And Charles Loring Brace, I think his organization was the Children's AIDS Foundation, something like that. He was a friend of Frederick Ball Olmsted's. And I see Olmsted as a major figure in this cover-up as well, famous landscape architect. And Brace, along with the assistance of an Astor, I want to say it's the wife of John Jacob Astor IV, set up this program of shipping children from some of these asylums and from other places out to points everywhere in North America. They just put them on the train. They'd stop in these towns. They might end up at the theater or something and parade these kids around. And it was supposed to be to help the kids and help the families. But I see it as a repopulation effort. And they're also, there's no follow-up, you know, nothing in place to see what happens. So if a kid did find a good home, I would have said that was the exception. You know, and given given what we know now about human trafficking that we didn't know even 10 years ago, it sure looks like it was the beginnings of it on an industrial scale. 
and then the infantoriums were sideshows with neonatal babies in incubators. So people would pay to go in and see these babies in incubators. And um, what's really interesting is that that particular manifestation ended with a fire at Coney Island. And again, I want to say it was around 1944, somewhere in there. And it was around the same time that Planned Parenthood, um, the original organization that became Planned Parenthood got started. And so, you know, again, you know, it sure looks like there's something nefarious going on with with the farming out of children and also the, um, you know, search for infants and things like that. Yeah, Bill Gates is uh, connected to Planned Parenthood, right? Through his, through his wife, I believe, I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I'm, I'm not familiar with that, but it, it, you know, you just have to really step back and say, there's something really bad going on here. And even though it's hard to believe it, and even though it's been disparaged and, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist and, you're terrible for saying that or whatever that's they don't want to be caught (laughs) and again that's why i go back to i don't believe these are humans and you know and they mess they've messed up a lot of people certainly they're trying to turn us into them but most people are good i believe right and just can't believe that and you know i I've been down the rabbit hole enough that I don't dispute that at all, but I don't focus my research on the darker aspects of what's been going on, but I know about it. And then I can, you know, cross connect back to the research that I, I do do, (laughs) Um, but it's not my primary focus unless it happens to come up when I'm doing some other research, but you can start connecting the dots with all these little pieces they're there to find if you look for them right but and that's what anything really like anything that uh paranormal or whatever like all these dots eventually they all connect because we're, we're you can find similarities and things and just make those connections but one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is uh you said that we've been under attack for the longest time right they haven't won yet why why is it what are we doing even with all the distractions and the fact that not many of us are trying to find the true knowledge why haven't they won yet what is is it about us that they haven't just won yet number one they have to have our consent they really can't lay a finger on us so their only hope for success is convincing enough of us of their lies to maintain, maintain control the way that they have. And they were able to do that until the internet came around. And then as time has gone on, even though they meant that to be a control mechanism, it's actually been how we've been able to wake up and wake each other up and have those instant communications. So even though the, you know, the nighttime news might show the controlled images, you've got plenty of contrary images to show what's really going on. And then they just double down on the lies, you know, the script, the talking points. Right. And as hard as the last couple of years have been, I, I thought things would happen differently. I did not imagine we'd get this far into it, but what it's done is it's exposed the controllers in a way 
that would not have happened otherwise because you just can't tell people what's going on. They have to experience it. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, if you talk about the toxic chemical releases and so forth, if what I think is going to happen, they will be held accountable. They will be brought to justice and that there are healing technologies that we've been denied access to as how horribly we've been treated. And um, that's my hope with what's, what's going on now, but you know, we're not alone and God is real. God wins. And our true nature is compassion and love. You know, we have to be horribly abused to, you know, fight each other the way we have and to kill each other the way we have. And one of the things I have to share about my story that kind of makes it interesting is I've been awake to a lot of things, fully awake since about 2012. And then between 2012 and 2016, I learned how dark the dark was. I learned about a lot of this stuff we just talked about. I'm like, hope. <laughs> wow <laughs> what's going to happen i mean it scared the 2016 scared the crap out of me yeah and all this work that i'm doing really came together around 2016 2017 and i met people and things just kind of worked together synchronistically to bring me further down this path and it wouldn't have happened earlier it just wouldn't have. So it just, it feels like the timing is right. And now I'm seeing the tide turning with people waking up and with things coming to the surface that were suppressed before. So like Twitter now is not under the control of the, the, the ones bots. that want to keep, the, yeah, <laughs> that want to keep the truth hidden. And things are starting to come out um, that were being suppressed before. And, you know, just all within the same time period. So I think 2023 is, is going to be a really interesting year, hopefully the year that things change completely and that they start making mass arrests and <laughs> all the other things I've been waiting for for a while. <laughs> a few more um, things before I let you go, Michelle. Um, you had also talked about golf courses what are the significance of golf courses because i mean i live in florida there's a lot of golf courses i mean i look at them and they just look like regular landmass but there's something significant to them right um look on them as earthworks man-made but not not by the people that said they built the golf courses you know the ancient and that's all over place called zephyr hills <laughs> these, these shapes of the landscape they're like geometric and perfectly formed and all that other stuff um i think golf courses were like a name for them an old name for them is the word links l-i-n-k-s links and i kind of think maybe they were some form of circuitry on the grid system like links linkages between circuits and things like that right um, they're seen as burial mounds and stuff like that. And I, I tend to think 
they're more like inter energy conductors or holders of some kind. There may be something like that associated with them, but I'm not really opinion. They tend to have with these earthworks, and not just golf courses, but any earthwork, they tend to have they were built a certain way with certain materials where they have certain electric qualities and things like that. So I think it has more to do with energy function than than anything else. But to make a golf course, all you have to do is like scrape off the top and you've got a sand trap or whatever they're called. Right. Do you think this pyramid's buried on under some of those golf courses? Not this. Not. I don't. I don't know about that. But when you start going around your own area where you live, especially where you live, just start noticing shapes in the landscape. Because you might see a gas station on top of an earthwork, and the earthwork looks more like an angle with grass on it and it's smooth and it's just shaped perfectly um and other places landfills are a good example and you know it's just it's just everywhere but it's, you don't see it until you tune into it i mean not too long ago when i was in florida i'm, I'm driving south on 75 and i noticed a, a pyramid I think it's where Pasco County and Hernando County meet. <laughs> so they're there. Right. But we don't see them because they're not supposed to be there. Right. So yeah. earthworks. And when I say earthworks, I'm just talking about land that looks like it's like just like perfectly formed. Like something was formed. done. Yeah, like something yeah, was done. You know, perfectly formed. Hmm. All right, so you talked about we talked about giants, these beings that are on there. So I wanted to ask you one more thing: your thoughts on like things like cryptozoology, because we talk about giants, and Sasquatch is considered a giant. What are your thoughts on that? Yep. You you believe in them? Yep. Have you seen anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> not not myself. Okay. Um, there's they're very high level beings. They're in indigenous legends. They're in a level of consciousness that they want us to be in or that we used to be in, you know, where they can communicate telepathically and you know, they can look at film and manifest a picture just by looking at it on the photographic paper, like Polaroid, let's say Polaroid paper. Um, there are some researchers, and I'll, I'll try to send you the links because I can't think of it off the top of my head, the name of the guy that's done some work on it. And there's a movie called Letters from the Big Man that was produced by the guy that I'm thinking of. And I want to say his first name's Christopher, but that doesn't really help you. Right. But I can look um, but that letters up. From, letters, letters from the Big Man. The big man. Okay. Christopher Munch, maybe, is his name. Right. Letters from the Big Man. And the reason that they haven't been able to catch one is because they are far superior to any human that's chasing them. Huh. They can disappear. 
you know, there's, um, they're not, you know, ape men. And um, we just, just kind of have to get out of that, that mindset that um, just because they're big and furry, you know, like, kind of like Yeti probably also, hmm. um, that they're, they're primitive because they're not. Right. Okay. And then, so recently we have the government coming out and they're quote unquote admitting that the stuff that we're seeing in the skies and we've been seeing for many years, they've known about it, but they don't know what they are. What are your thoughts on the government coming out with that information? <laughs> Wouldn't trust anything. <laughs> and that's all that that's they're, the only they're answer. not our friends. <laughs> right. I, that, that's all you had to say. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, last but not least, what are you currently working on and what are you working on in the future, Michelle? And thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. Sure, you're welcome. So, I, like I said, I just finished um, 1984 to 1986 seeing history with new eyes. And I have to see how far I can go with it. I started at 1945. Um, I've gotten up to 1996 and I still have several segments to put out. It's really tedious work and it's actually kind of depressing. So whether I go beyond 1996 or not, I'm not really sure, but I've got probably three or four more left of that. I've been looking into the National Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol building and finding a lot of hidden history in there. It kind of gives me clues on where to look and more information that fills in the blanks. And I see it as a who's who of the new world, new world order. And these are the statues that they hold up for whatever reason in our Capitol building. And there's a lot of this missing history in there with who's in there. Right. And I, I do like to follow up on places that people suggest because I get a lot of information that way too. Places I wouldn't look otherwise. And I'm just really detailed oriented. So, you know, it's like the more I look, the more I find. And it's really a, a, ple a pleasure and a joy to be able to do this work. And I can't get it out fast enough because it seems like people are ready to have different information about what's actually been going on here and who's, been, who's behind it and what's been going on. Are you collaborating I, with anyone by any chance? Not time. really. I've, I've done interviews with other people right. and things like that. Um, but we all seem to overlap and find ways to come together and share information. That's good. So like, so we're not all coming from the same perspective, but, you know, just doing the work is important and different right. things need to come out. So there's things other people are tuned into that I'm not. And I'm tuned into some things that other people aren't, but you know, in the whole big picture, we kind of put all the pieces together and start sorting through it and make progress in, in finding out what's going on. And, you know, for me, the big thing is I just want to get the information out in a compelling way, in a way that's clear and understandable. So you're not trying to figure out what I just said. Right. No, no. And, <laughs> and a lot of people are ready for it. A lot of people, a number of people aren't, but, you know, it's just, you have to really be able to step back and let go of what we've been taught to start getting the new information in because it's nothing like, the truth is nothing like what we've been taught. Right. I, I agree. And the reason why I ask you that is because in, in other paranormal topics, so to speak, or 
um, alternative topics. There's not a lot of collaboration. Like in the ufology field, there's not a lot of collaboration. It's very ego-driven. Same thing with, you know, cryptozoology, very ego-driven. So I wanted to know if maybe you were facing some sort of like, hey, I have this information, but I don't want to tell you, Michelle, because, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, it seems like you have people that want to work with you to get these puzzle pieces together, you know? Right. I, I have had lots of communications with other people and, and you know, m- making forward progress with putting more of the pieces together. So awesome. Interviews and, and so forth. Roundtables. So, um, I lied and I apologize. I just because I need to know your perspective on this one last thing, and that is CERN. Like, what do you think of CERN? And then we'll call it a day. That's <laughs> not what they tell us. <laughs> <laughs> like, did it cre- so, create the Mandela so effect? Is it, it, is I think that- it could have. Um, I, I absolutely think it could have. Um, I absolutely think it could have been created as a portal to bring in demonic beings. And there is a mirror of CERN on Long, on Long Island at Brookhaven National Laboratories. It's a reverse of CERN. Really? So you have the same thing on the eastern end of Long Island that you do in Geneva, Switzerland. Same thing. Wow. Um, I don't know if you ever so heard of two. And there's other, you know, what are they called? Particle particle accelerators or colliders yes, or that's whatever. What I was going to say there's, because there's uh, more than more than two. But CERN is the best known. Brookhaven's not known, but it's like same configurations and everything. Do they line up by any chance? I don't know if you you ever try to see. Probably. I've kind of looked at it, but it's um, I I wasn't expecting that when I was looking. Right. Right. And there's other things on Eastern in Eastern Long Island that are interesting. That's where the Montauk project was. All of that. Yeah. That's where they got Stranger Things uh, from. Mm-hmm. so michelle thank you so much for your time i mean i i really would like to keep you for another like two hours but because I, <laughs> I know you got things to do um and i have another interview coming up in a couple hours but um thank you for your time i appreciate it if you can do me a favor send me any pertinent links that you want people to go to i'll put on the bottom of the description and for the thumbnail for youtube um, if you can send me like a, a picture that you're comfortable with and I'll put that up. Cause I mean, I'm on YouTube and I'm on BitChute, but I, I, YouTube has the most people. So unfortunately I have no choice, but to use YouTube. You know? Check in the first emails we did, because I think I sent you a thumbnail already. Okay. I'm I'll check. Sure I, I, I know I'm I saw your sure bio, I but I, I think there's a I thumbnail. Did. I think there's a thumbnail there. I'm pretty I'll sure if I didn't out. let me know, but I yes, think ma'am. I did. Again, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, keep doing your thing. And then I'm um, definitely going to have you on, Michelle, if you'd like to come back on. But uh, just keep sure, doing your work, great. okay? Yep, definitely keep me in mind. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.